is the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, let's do it. You know the vibes. No Brandon Jacobs today. Ty Butler flying solo until 1230. That shortened version of the show comes because we have the Rangers pregame coming at you. Rangers hosting the Capitals this afternoon. A little matinee at the Garden. But hit us up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler. We're on Instagram as well, T-Y-D-B-U-T-L-E-R. And, of course, on the phone lines, 800-919-3776. It is Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. So I'm excited to, to be on these airwaves today to break all, all the action down from yesterday, previewing the slate today and tomorrow. We had the postponement between the Bills and the Steelers. So that'll take place tomorrow, which gives us, you know, some more symmetry. You get the two games yesterday, two today, and then two more tomorrow. So we'll break it all down. 800-919-3776. Short show, so let's get right to it. Shout out to uh, Tom Bauer and Joe Leo on the opposite side of the glass. We'll do in or out at 11.45. But uh, I wanted to mention this. So Friday night, I'm driving... And I'm listening to Anita Marks. Welcome her back to the airwaves. Uh, good to see her back on on the station. And, you know, she was surprisingly not all that fired up about uh, th- this this weekend. And I'm like, that's not the Anita Marks I know. The Anita Marks I know is, is super into it. She's, you know, got the football at the forefront of her mind. But she sounded so somber about it because she just, you know, she posed a question. She's like, you know, what's the most exciting game on the slate? And she couldn't, she couldn't figure it out. And I was shocked. And I actually thought to myself out loud, oh, Saturdays, uh, that's a blast. You get Texans, Browns. Like, that's going to be fun. Dolphins, Chiefs, two of the best teams in the AFC. And then halfway through that last game yesterday, I'm thinking, man, was Anita right? Because let's be honest, that was an awful day of football. It was awful. Game one was highlighted by, you know, two multiple pick sixes, that Joe Flacco fantasy story coming to an end. And then game two, a bunch of field goals, penalties, and the Dolphins playing the softest brand of football we've seen in quite some time. So not the best of starts. I'm hoping that today we can kind of put that in our rearview mirror and and, and get back to you know, just some exciting football, just because yesterday didn't do it for me. I guess on the on the table. Texans, Ravens, and then, you know, Chiefs, Bills. That sounds like the sexiest of matchups as far as the AFC division round. If we can get that, I think people will be excited about that. And then in the NFC, uh, I know the Eagles have stunk, but, you know, Eagles, Cowboys round two, and then you get uh, the, the Niners hosting the, the, the Lions. I think that would be exciting. Uh, exactly. I, I guess it would work the other way. In order for the, the Lions to be hosting, or in order for us to get Eagles-Cowboys, you would need the lower seed to win. So Rams uh, going to San Francisco, divisional matchup, and then Eagles-Cowboys I think would be fun. So I, I, so that's what feels like to me uh, the best case scenario. But I, I'm just looking for us to, uh, you know, as a, a country that is obsessed with football, rebound today and get some good games. So let's start with what actually happened yesterday. Texans beat the Browns 40, uh, 45 to 14. And look, I'm watching this game and I'm I'm looking at it through the lens of being a Jets fan. First thing I thought, that's what great coaching looks like. That is what great coaching looks like and it was on full display yesterday. It, it's going to look silly when the NFL awards Stefanski 
the coach of the year over the guy who outcoached him in a playoff game yesterday? Because I'll tell you this, D'Amico Ryans, that's your coach of the year. And it's no disrespect to uh, Stefanski. He's done a remarkable job with that Browns team. Fourth string quarterback, Flacco off his couch, 11-5, and five, getting to the playoffs uh, with that stout defense. It, that was remarkable, but he should finish second to D'Amico Ryans. It's not going to happen, but I think D'Amico is your coach of the year. Just last season, the Texans were battling for the number one overall pick. Now, it worked in their favor that it didn't happen because you still hear that if Houston had gotten number one, they take Bryce Young. But to be battling for the number one pick last year, and now they're potentially a week away from playing in a title game in year one of a rebuild, I mean, you're just overcome by praises for that coaching staff, for that organization. Nick Casario, uh, he's made sound decisions coming over from New England because you know all the Niners do is produce talented head coaches, and he goes and grabs you know D'Amico, uh, you know, who was the defensive coordinator and a league that continues to trend offense because that could be controversial, right? You're hiring a defensive minded head coach and a league that's showing you offense is, you know, offense is number one priority. So, you know, it, it already looks like a home run hire for him. Then you get the second overall pick, C.J. Stroud. You develop him beautifully. Uh, Nico Collins, what what a an ascension. Like, that's become one of the, the best quarterback-wide receiver duos in all of football. And I, I, I'm not being hyperbolic. Because you'd go Dak, CD, uh, you know, yesterday notwithstanding, Tua, Tyreek, is third on that list, CJ and Nico Collins, based on what uh, they've been able to do this year. But you got Nico, Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, Tank Dell before he got hurt, and Robert Woods. They put talent around this kid, and now it's, you know, watch him work. Because yesterday, it was his moment. Not only does he not get derailed or overwhelmed in, in big games, he elevates himself and looks like an absolute superstar. Because he essentially played back-to-back playoff games in his rookie season. Last week was a win-and-get-in situation, so it's a de facto playoff game. How does he start? 75-yard touchdown bomb in route to winning the division and getting to the playoffs. Then he follows it up yesterday, 16-21, 274 yards, three touchdowns. The three touchdowns all in that first half. And what's going to get lost, unfortunately, because of how awful Flacco was in the second half, Flacco was pretty damn good in that first half. Pretty damn good. And CJ thoroughly outplayed him. Thoroughly outplayed him. That's how. That's how special... This young stud is. And you don't watch him and feel like you're watching a rookie. You don't. This guy looks seasoned, poised. He makes all the throws. Doesn't get rattled. And it's just pitch and catch. So a, a general manager in Casario, a head coach in, in D'Amico, and a quarterback in Stroud, that, that's a trio you love already in year one. <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, then we go to the night game. And... You know, from the praises uh, uh, C.J. Stroud to the demerits that were, you know, Tua, that was a show-me moment for Tua because he's going to be up for a big contract soon, playing on his fifth-year option next season. He did stay healthy, so he answered that question. But how much money is this guy worth on the open market? Are you paying him top-five quarterback money? Because last night was a strike against that. I watched Tua, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't that dude. Because that's a choke job by the Dolphins in the last month. And it has to be debilitating for their fans. 
I know Gordon Damer predicted it, but it's still not easier to swallow, even if you're set up for the disappointment. 15 years since they last won that division. Had a shot. Buffalo was struggling. And even though the Bills had gone on that five-game winning streak, it was the Dolphins controlled their own destiny. Had a shot up 14-7. You get the punt return for a touchdown last week. That game essentially ended there, and you gagged away your division. 23 years since you last won a playoff game, and they scored seven points yesterday. You've got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mostert, Achan, Tua, who for you know first part of the season was an MVP candidate, and you put up seven points in Kansas City. I get that defense is uh, really good. That that Chiefs defense is championship caliber, but in a big spot like that, you know, you you hang seventy on Denver. We do all season long. Oh, that Miami offense is potent. For you to put up seven points last night is embarrassing. So my question to the Dolphins front office is, you know, how much are you going to pay a quarterback who we've now seen can't beat good teams, can't play in weather sub forty degrees, and at the end of the first half yesterday, they're they're at about their own forty, which. You know, I, I get it's difficult, and there are only a select few of quarterbacks who have the arm strength to, to complete or a, attempt a Hail Mary in that situation. But it's like there was no shot. He had no shot of attempting a Hail Mary. So you have all these things working against the quarterback who you're now going to have to at some point pay or decide if you're going to pay. That, that to me was, was an alarming performance by the Dolphins. And as far as, you know, the Chiefs are uh, concerned, the question coming in for them was, do they have that turn it on once the playoffs begin? Because we've seen this in recent memory with teams that have struggled uh, during the regular season. Like the Warriors during that dynastic run. Struggled during the regular season. Can they turn it on in the playoffs? We saw it with the big three in Miami. In football, the Patriots. Oh, they still have Tom Brady. Can they turn it on? So I I come away from, you know, looking at it – as far as like Kansas City, however you felt about them coming into the game, I think you should still feel the same. If you thought that, yes, I'm not betting against them because they have Mahomes, because they have one of the best coaches uh, really ever in Andy Reid, who's clearly a, a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame head coach. They've got the best quarterback in football and a world-class defense. If you still feel like they are in great position to win a Super Bowl, that's unchanged. If you are someone who came into that game, though, thinking, yeah, I just don't know. Because you had more drops yesterday. And Kelsey continues to look like, I don't want to say a shell of himself because that's harsh, but not the same player. He's not the same Travis Kelsey. If that's how you felt that there were too many questions about this Chiefs team, then I I think it's unchanged. I I think it's unchanged. You feel the same way about Kansas City coming into the game uh, that you did uh, after it. I'll tell you one thing, because it always comes back to, you know, the Jets fan in me, right? So they panicked. I, I'm convinced they panicked at 15th one once uh, Broderick Jones was off the board. They took Will McDonald, which made no sense. And maybe it ends up working out if they lose uh, Bryce Huff and Will McDonald's your replacement. But where you needed tackles and skill position players, taking a guy on your defensive line just made no sense. All year we've talked about, you know, um, JSN, the, the receiver for the Seahawks who was available, could have had him. No, Zay Flowers gone at that point. But uh, Jordan Jordan Addison obviously was another option. You watch Rasheed Rice last night. <laughs> that that dude is a burgeoning star. 
Rasheed Rice is a burgeoning star. And in cold weather, no problems. 130 receiving yards, sixth most by a rookie in the playoffs in league history. And he did that in his playoff debut. So you watch him last night, and that's another receiver the Jets could have had. Another receiver the Jets could have had. But uh, there you have it. Not a great day of football. Texans. Like, this now becomes, for Houston, you know, why not us? Because you get Baltimore in, I don't want to say a perfect spot, but it's the best spot you possibly could get them in. But by the time you play them, they will have been you know, resting for 20 straight days. So you always deal with that rest versus rust factor. Like, of course you take, especially for a team that's banged up, like the Ravens, of course you take the first round by. But they're going to get punched in the mouth by this Houston team early that we saw yesterday, ferocious on defense in that second half. And offensively in the first half, just clicking on every single cylinder. And now you've got a team playing with confidence in a, you know, we can't really lose spot. All the pressure's on Baltimore. Houston has already exceeded expectations by a mile. The Ravens got all the pressure. Lamar's going to get his second MVP. We, we know once the playoffs come, he's not the same quarterback. So that pressure, you know, that naturally comes from, you know, you being a guy we consider to be a superstar, not living up to the hype in the playoffs. That's going to be a factor in this game. So I'm looking for if they do play each other, we got to see what happens with the rest of the slate. But, you know, if that is the matchup going forward, Man, it's a juicy one. And Houston, if you're a Texans fan, you have to feel like, you know, why not us making a run? We have the quarterback. We have the head coach. Our defense is advantageous. Nico Collins is looking like, you know, a a top-notch receiver. So why not us? And in Kansas City, it's just you're, you're resting on the laurels of this is all we do. All we do is get to the playoffs and win games. It's 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 literally all we do. Patrick Mahomes continues to, you know, rise up the charts of all time greats when you look at, you know, all the numbers. Twelve and three so far in the playoffs. Twelve and three. He's already eighth place for most playoff wins all time with twelve. He wins next week. How about this? He ties Brett Favre and Big Ben for six. He makes the Super Bowl. He'll tie Peyton Elway and Bradshaw for third all time. He wins the Super Bowl. He'll be alone in third place, one behind Montana. So Mahomes is one more playoff run from from it being a conversation that's like, yeah, premature. Could he become the greatest quarterback of all time? To no, it's very real. Because as we've seen in basketball, you don't need to match who everyone else had as the GOAT with championships to surpass that guy. Because LeBron did it with MJ. Didn't need six championships to pass him. Mahomes might not need seven to pass Brady if he, if he continues to excel at this high of a level in the playoffs. 800-919-3776. We'll get to your phone calls. Coming up next, two things. Why we've got to root hard for the Buffalo Bills tomorrow afternoon if you're a Jets fan. And the second thing is, did Woody Johnson make a monumental mistake about a month ago. Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacob show on 98.7 ESPN. I feel like a machine gun today. It's only 90 minutes and I got so many thoughts, so many opinions. I'll be back tomorrow filling in for Alan Hahn on Bart and Hahn. Me and Bart Scott taking you to uh, 2.30 because the Knicks play a pretty, uh, pretty important game tomorrow. A uh, little Martin Luther King Day special at home against the Magic. So a nice little test 
for the Knicks against a team that they are kind of in the same tier with right now. So excited to be on with Bart Scott tomorrow afternoon from noon to 2.30. Before I get to your phone calls, I'm going to pay off the tease. Uh, so something interesting happened yesterday in the first uh, it was the, in the first game. It was at halftime of the first game. Mike Florio comes on, and he says that, you know, be on the lookout for Mike Tomlin with the Steelers because, I, first of all, I always thought it was crazy that Steelers fans wanted this guy fired. 17 years, no losing seasons. That kind of stability is unprecedented uh, when you have three head coaches in 60 years. So I thought they were crazy, but he did say, you know, be on the lookout because Tomlin's going to take some time following whatever happens at, at whenever their playoffs end. Uh, he's going to take some time to think about his next decision. Now, I read that as, is he retiring? Of course not. He's still pretty young. He's going to evaluate, look at the landscape and see if Pittsburgh is still where he wants to be employed. So now I go back to uh, three weeks ago. Uh, it, was, it was right before that Commanders game. And I thought it was, it was odd. That, you know, Brian Costello comes on and reports that, you know, Woody Johnson has given a vote of confidence to both Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. He's bringing them back. I, I thought it was odd to do that with three weeks left in the season because things could have derailed. Especially if they lose that last game in Foxborough where they just get embarrassed, it thoroughly outplayed division game against that team and you're now staring at 16 straight losses heading into next season against a Patriots team that's god awful so I wonder when you look at the surplus of head coaching talent that could potentially be available did Woody make a mistake did he show his hand too quickly now the answer could just be Rodgers is making all the decisions so it doesn't matter anyway but with Belichick now on the market Jim Harbaugh, we'll see what his decision is going forward. Now, they were chanting one more year at, at the Michigan parade, and he, he smiled, didn't say anything. You feel like he's coming back to the NFL. Pete Carroll's out there. Mike Tomlin, potentially. And we know Mike, uh, Mike Vrabel you know, parted ways with the Titans. Look at that talent pool at that position that we know. Like, even if you're someone who, who likes Robert Sala, and you're still like fond of him, best you can say is, I need to see more. There is not a single person who could say he's a great head coach. No one could say he's good. Best you can say is, I need to see more. But going into next season with all that pressure, with the quarterback coming, he's 41 years old. He's going to be 41 years old off an Achilles, a defense ready to win. Like All the pressure you had this year just gets multiplied, becomes even more magnified next season. And you have... Belichick, Harbaugh, Carroll, Vrabel, and potentially Tomlin at your disposal, and you're punting on that in favor of Robert Sala, who's what, 18 and, what is it, 18 and 33 as a head coach in three years? Three years not making the playoffs? I don't know. That could be a mistake. It would be a PR disaster. And even worse, just an egregious mistake that's so detrimental to the health of, of this organization going forward. Now, look, the, again, the easy answer could just be none of it matters. Ro uh, Rodgers gets the final say anyway. But I, this is a pool. I, I don't know if we've ever seen this before. Like this level of talent, high end, at the head coaching position, just available. Which would, it, it makes what the Bears decided, you know, bringing back Hebrew flu is just comedic. But... 
man, I, and I'm not saying these guys would have come here because who knows what the interest level would have been. But at the very least, you survey the landscape and see uh, if any of them are interested. We're talking about Super Bowl winning head coaches. Belichick, greatest of all time. Carroll has won a Super Bowl and been to two. Tyler, we know, one Super Bowl winner. Vrabel, not quite at the level of those guys, but we know he's really good in Harbaugh, who's at least gotten a team to a Super Bowl. So that could be a costly decision. And, you know, for all of those reasons is why Joe Leo, we got to root for the Bills tomorrow, man. Got to root for the Bills to win this game. I know it's not, not in our nature to do so. It's unnatural. But here's the thing, Joe. Bills lose. McDermott's probably getting fired. Because I think that like, despite them winning five games in a row, all season long there's been some noise. Then that story came about, uh, our, our out about you know the 9-11 thing, like the 9-11 stuff he said that was just nuts. But there's going to be some smoke there. Josh Allen, with that talented defense, and we'll see what happens with our offense because Diggs could be gone, Gabe Davis could be gone. But you, know, you have James Cook. Looks like Shakir's a real player for them on that offense. That's a talented roster ready to win. <laughs> and if they fire McDermott and they insert like Bill Belichick, who's going to want to stick it to New England with an already made team that could every year contend for a Super Bowl, Harbaugh, like any of those guys going to Buffalo, it's just bad news for, for the Jet fan. 800-919-3776. Batting leadoff today. Let's go to Nargi in Brooklyn. What's up, Nargi? Hey, Ty, how are you? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Ty, good, good. I know that Robert Sala's record is, is not great, but in my opinion, I would still take him um, as, a, as a better head coach than the Miko Ryan right now, to be honest with you. All right, I well, mean, so here's the I thing. Understand... Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, D'Amico Ryan's already in one year has surpassed everything that Sala's done in three okay. years. Okay. Already okay. in year Look, one. I understand. I understand he's a he's a good head coach, Demico Ryan, but can I see him without Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, for one year? Can but I why? see him without him? But I mean, like, but that makes no sense. What, what, but that makes no sense. Huh? That makes no sense. He's a defensive-minded guy who was smart enough to bring in okay. a bright offensive mind. Great, great. Okay, that's perfect. Can we were all praising Sirianni before this season? And all of a sudden, this season, like on Monday, we might fire him and hire that's, Bill Belichick. That, that's true. Team. Yes, but which which speaks to maybe oh. Sirianni isn't as good as we thought. But I I don't know that you know in order to see like how good D'Amico really is, we need to strip him of his offensive coordinator. But, but, Clearly, he's a, a great but, offensive mind. No. Obviously, we can't judge Salah with this season, though. We cannot. Like he, but this is not the quarterback he wanted. Okay, Nardi, you see what but, I mean? Najee, but the problem is, we said that after year one, can't judge Salah after the season. Said that after year two, can't judge Salah after the season. Now we're saying that for three straight years. At some point, like the the record becomes just who you are. And I get he hasn't been dealt a a, a fair hand, but like it is what it is. But like we can't keep playing Zach this Wilson game. Do, like Ty, like we all know Zach Wilson can't play. You know. Like, but they drafted him for a reason. Also, That's my problem. Yeah, dra- Joe, Joe Douglas did. Joe Douglas did. Look, maybe at some point we're here, and I appreciate the call, um, Narji. We'll hear at some point that because Salah might have hinted at, you know, Zach maybe wasn't the guy he wanted to draft. I, it, this isn't 
me rooting against Robert. I I think he's a very nice guy. He's got the whole, you know, motivational, uh, having his team passionate and ready and playing hard for him. He's got that covered, and I respect it. For, I respect that. Interviewed him before. Great guy. But we can't keep playing this game of at, at the conclusion of every single season. We we can render no verdict just because the situation wasn't ideal. We just mentioned with the Browns. They're on their fourth string quarterback. And by the way, so the excuse might have worked after year one and after year two. But when you look all around football this year and all the teams that were able to win games despite not having their starter, Indy got to a, a win and end situation. In week 18, Cleveland made the playoffs on their fourth string quarterback. Minnesota was still right in it till week 17. All around the league, like it's been, it's been Cincinnati until they lost that game to the Chiefs was still in the playoff conversation. Like this year hurt that argument. Let's hit Danny in Long Island. What's up, Danny? First of all, I like to wish Ira and all the Jets fans a happy 55th anniversary for their tremendous oh, Super Bowl nice. win. Come on, Danny, was, you really got to do that today. I just I, listen. It was this day, and Ira in front of his black and white television, and his dad jumped up and down and announced, "I'm so happy to be a Jets fan. We're going to be in it every year." Well, listen, come on, Danny. You got now listen. listen, now, listen. What, what I need you to worry, but you got your kid up in Rochester with that Lake Effect snow. Make sure he's good, man, and taking care with it with his now, North listen. Face. The, 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 the timeless and never-ending debate is whether it's the coach or the quarterback and or the combination of the two. Because if you look at most great coaches in history, they're linked to one quarterback. When that quarterback left, they're gone. Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana. You, 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 you strike gold once, and you're a great combination. And that's why Belichick is gone. That's why Carroll's gone. Rabel never got there. He never had the quarterback. But the, if, if Bill Belichick would have picked the right quarterback to replace it, he'd still have a job. So, D'Amico Ryan... I guess Harbaugh could, Harbaugh could become an exception. Not that Joe Flacco's a great quarterback, but had that one great run, and now he could do it with a second quarterback that, with that, Lamar Jackson. That's right. That, that's completely right. And Joe, how about Joe, Joe Flacco almost did it with two different teams, which yeah. most quarterbacks don't have a chance to do it. Now, D'Amico Ryan is going to be on track now to have a tremendous career because in his first year, he got a good coordinator and looks like he has a future all-pro, all-world quarterback. There's nothing not to like about the kid. Everything about him looks points to up. So now he's going to be a great coach for many, many years. And if this kid is not a great quarterback, that will be the end of DeMarco Ryan. So now listen, the Jets, uh, uh, Salah is not the answer. And I always say, I use, I use this example. I'm watching the Houston game. And our greatest cornerback that ever lived who wants to be known as the great guy, Sauce Garner, is standing on one side of the field because he doesn't like to play the other side of the field. I don't get that because all these other cornerbacks follow the best guy all over the field because you have to let – you can't let the other team know where you're going to be. Surprise is, is an element that you need on defense. He's standing there guarding the Houston Texans' fourth receiver while on the other side of the field, the number two and their tight end are eviscerating the Jets. And Sal is just standing there thinking about this. Is that, that's good coaching. He's allowing this player to dictate, I only want to play half the field. And then at the end of the game, guess what? Oh, according to NFL or whatever they do, Source Gardner didn't have any, didn't have any pass against him. Gee, I wonder why. You know? So I, I don't think Sal is the answer. I think they made a big mistake announcing he's coming back. And now it looks even worse with all these great uh, head coaches out there. But I don't think any of them particularly would come to New York. I really don't. I can't see Belichick. I can't see 
Carroll, who's a West Coast guy, and I don't know about Rabel, but they'll all be hired uh, in, in short order if they yeah. so desire. What, what would be attractive, Danny? And I appreciate the call. Always good to hear from you. What would be attractive is the opportunity to win a, a championship, which has to motivate uh, any coach, especially those of the the older age. As far as Sauce not traveling, I mean, he was good enough this year to land on, on the Pro Bowl uh, for the second straight season. And the numbers, you look at the advanced metrics, he's measuring and grading out as one of the best cornerbacks in football. So uh, like, I, if if the knock on, on Salah is the lack of in-game adjustments, fair, but uh, Sauce Gardner, I, I think, has been pretty, pretty remarkable. Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs show on 98.7 ESPN. No Brandon Jacobs today. He'll be, be, be back uh, with me next Sunday. We're going to be doing the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs show through the Super Bowl. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but a, an abbreviated version of the, of the program today. Got the Rangers and the Capitals coming up at 1230 pregame getting you set at that time. And then, of course, Face off at one o'clock. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Plainview and talk to Mike. He says hello. What up, Mike? Michael. Oh man, Michael going once, going twice. Unfortunately, he's a loser. Jose in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good morning, Ty. Shout out to the company. You know, I, two points because I was watching the football games as well. Uh, um, the thing that bothers me with the Texans is, you know, it, 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 it's almost exactly the same formula. They got a defensive mind from the 49ers who, 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 had, who had that top-ranked defense. They, they, entrust, they entrusted a young offensive coordinator, rookie offensive coordinator who, you know, was pretty much a, you know, not, uh, you know, and LaFleur wasn't a great play caller because we got to see his flaws, but, you know, they definitely, he definitely put a lot more points up than Hackett. And, you know, and the, look at Mike LaFleur the, now. He's in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, and, and it's funny how people don't understand how collaboration in the work environment works, where LaFleur is, you know, helping, you know, McVeigh put the play calling together and then McVeigh actually executes it because, that was the arrangement that they had to kind of, you know, improve improve LaFleur's development because, you know, that's how, you know, a working relationship is supposed to be. But um, the situation is, is but I, I, I can't disagree when you say the record and everything with Salah because everything is what it is. But it is kind of hard for me when I hear reports of Jets, of better quarterbacks offering their services and they were like, no, 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 we can't have someone we that's better cover. than, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that was my this. issue with that. And then also, I had to bring up, you know, because you know it is playoff time, and you know, since I'm in this 13 year playoff drought, I sadly, you know, shamelessly become a Mahomes fan at this point. But yeah, you know, and I know that. you were watching, and I know you were watching, but you know, like, like I wanted to hear your thoughts on that cringe-worthy moment oh. that you saw, you know, Taylor Swift and. Uh, she's so so Taylor Swift. Appreciate the call, Jose. Taylor Swift, because you know the uh, NFL TV cameras are obsessed with, with with Taylor Swift. Every time we see Kelsey drop the football, we got to get Taylor Swift's reaction. They can't help themselves. But last night she went viral, not just because of the whole jersey situation, the, the customer uh, custom made jersey, but she's out there in the in the suite with Mama Kelsey doing the swag surf. 
She's swag surfing. So I had some fun with that on the internet. Called her a culture vulture, but she went viral for she went viral for swag surfing. Which I'll be honest, I, I've been critical of the whole Taylor Swift thing this this entire season. It's been annoying, but that was I actually thought that was pretty cool. It was dope. Was it cringy? Of course. And there were people jumping on the internet saying, you know, it's not a, a, a swag surf if you got no swag. So they just want to come at Taylor. But that was fun. That was cool. She was dancing. Joe, did you see that moment last night uh, during the Chiefs game? Uh, unfortunately, I was asleep because I had to get up for for work today. But, but which that's a whole nother story that I just wasted six dollars on on that game. But it, it, it's whatever. I, I saw that actually on Twitter t- this morning. And had a good laugh. I didn't think it was that cringy. It was it was cool. It was it's cringy if you're familiar with like the essence of the swag surf. You I know. get it, but like you can say that for anybody who bites a dance or anything that it's, doesn't originate from it. You know what wait, I mean? Wait, so all right, so you just buried the lead though. You paid six dollars for Peacock because it was an exclusive Peacock vehicle last night. I I guess they they aired like the first. 15 or 20 minutes of the game on NBC, and, and then if, if, if you didn't have that, uh, you had to go to Peacock. But you spent $6 on it and still fell asleep? So here's what happened. I was at a birthday dinner for my uh, girlfriend's parents last night, so watched half of the game at the restaurant. So your future in-laws. Yep. I watched the, th- the third quarter and then fell asleep halfway through the fourth. So I basically watched a quarter and a half. For six dollars, it was the biggest waste of money I could possibly have have done for my Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and I already canceled Peacock, so they don't charge me again in about a month. But it's only six dollars. Why do you got to cancel it? I don't want it, it, six bucks. How about you, Tom? You 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 pay for the Peacock last night? Oh no 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 no! I wasn't feeding the beast at all. I was not <laughs> buying into that. I I did not want to make history with the NFL as they were putting out under fifty ads about Peacock yesterday. So you didn't consume the game at all? I consumed the uh, bonus coverage on NBC for like the first 15 minutes, and then I and put then on Jeopardy. you were Jeopardy. out? Yeah, I put on oh, Jeopardy. I, I, had to get up, I had to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, so, so the, I, I went the, to sleep shortly the, after that. The problem with people, and you guys are in a different category just because you you got to be responsible. I mean, Joe Leo's had issues in the past waking up uh, for early shows, so you know, applaud him for getting here on time today. But... For like for the people who have this stance, they're like boycotting the NFL, putting games ex- exclusively on these apps. That's the wrong time to do it. Now I get twenty. What was it? Twenty six to seven. I don't. You know. I don't sound smart saying it after a game that went that way. Did you pay for it? I've already had Peacock. I've had Peacock for more than a year now. Oh, look at you go. Uh, but it, it was something on Peacock I wanted to – it might have been the Olympics, uh, the NBA uh, – the uh, not the NBA, uh, the Basketball Olympics. I, I don't know – I don't remember what the reason is, but I, I purchased Peacock maybe like a year or two ago. But for the people who are like, you know, revolting, they, they've got this they, – they're, they're so anti the NFL, expanding it, it, its horizons and getting money and throwing this uh, thing on, on an exclusive app. Like that's not the game to do it. Chiefs, Dolphins, at least on paper, looked like a, a sexy matchup. I understand the weather conditions, and if you thought Miami was fraud, fraudulent, but that's a three-six in the AFC. You've got Mahomes against that that Dolphins team that you know Tyreek returning to Arrowhead during the playoff. Like it was just too much juice there to to boycott the game. So I that didn't make any sense to me. Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs show on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. Time to decide. <laughs> Are you in 
or are you out? Oh, uh, let's do it. We step aside. And at this point in the show, we allow the producers to become the superstars that they are. But we want to put it on full display. So let's do it. In or out? All right. Let's do it in detail. And let's get off. I love the- how I, I, I set you up to be a superstar and there's an immediate pause. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, at any rate, let, let's get off the football craze for a minute because All I know right. this is something you've desperately wanted to talk about. The Bulls fans booing Jerry Krause, the architect of that whole dynasty of the Bulls. Rest in peace, Jerry Krause, by the way. And he gets relentlessly booed in the Chicago Bulls game this past weekend. I, I think I already know. I'm going to ask, are you in or out on the booing of Jerry Krause? I think I already know your answer to this. Well, here's the thing, man. Uh, so we could actually, at some point, start a segment, like my least favorite stories of the week and this is at the top of the list it's been a a a bad week for chicago fans this to me was so embarrassing like you're obviously brain dead i'm out on this you're obviously brain dead if you're a bulls fan and you can't comprehend that two things can be true jerry Krause built one of the greatest dynasties in sports history and he also had his fingerprints all on all over the house of cards collapsing but let's start with the fact that they not only won six titles in eight years, but remember when, when Jordan retired after that 93 season, that the ensuing season, they won 55 games in 94. And Nick fans remember this. They were one win away from being back in the conference finals. He did trade for Cartwright, much to the chagrin of, of MJ. He acquired Dennis Rodman, and he had to talk to Scotty and, and, and MJ about that just because, you know, everything that had happened when... Rodman was with the with the Pistons. He drafted Tony Kukoc, another move that, you know, Jordan and, and, and Pippen didn't love. And obviously, to start all of this, he drafted Scottie Pippen. So, like, those things can't be ignored. As you said, he was the architect of one of the all-time great dynasties in all the sports. But to me, that's not even the most prevalent information. The fact that this man is being honored by the organization... And his wife is accepting the honors on his behalf because he passed away. And fans are so up in their feelings that they are using this moment to voice their, fr- their frustration is heinous. It's reprehensible. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. And it's a black eye on the Bulls fan base. And I get not everyone there w- was part of, of the booing, but it's so toxic. It's terrible. How do you fix your lips to do that to this man's family. Then you watch her up there and she's 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 emotional. I felt so poorly for her, man. Like that was that was a bad sports moment. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. That that just infuriated me to no end. And if you're a Bulls fan, like the the how you're not embarrassed is disgusting and I forget the TV analyst name, but they went off on on the Chicago fans because that was just a bad moment. Stacy King that was terrible, man. Felt so poorly for, for for Jerry Krause's widow. But yeah, as you can tell, I'm out on this. There was a lot of controversy. And also, you know, the, 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 the younger Bulls audience, the younger Bulls fans are so prisoner of the moment because they watched The Last Dance. So that's why you're, you're feeling all emotional about this. My other question is, why the hell wasn't uh, MJ and Scottie Pippen in attendance for this? 
everything about that that celebration and that you know honoring just just annoyed me. But yes, as you can tell, I'm out on Bulls fans just booing Jerry Krause's widow. What what an embarrassment. Next. So you know that's where we're gonna end up with uh, Brian Cashman eventually as a Yankee fan, right? Hope not. That that's that that's just disgraceful, detestable. I, I mean, every single word that comes to mind right now, I'm just spitting out just because I feel so strongly about that. But what's next? What do you got? So are you in or out with uh, Kendrick Perkins on the Knicks being the second best team in the Eastern Conference? All right, so I'm out on this. Look, last night for the Knicks, uh, that was a no-win situation. Even without Jalen Brunson, it would have been a disaster if you had lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies, who were up in this game at halftime, despite no John Morant, no Marcus Smart, no Steven Adams, no Brendan Clark, no Derrick Rose, those guys all out dealing with significant uh, injuries for the season. And then you found out before the game, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. weren't going to play, and the Knicks somehow were down at halftime. But found a way to win it by 12, 106-94 was the final score. Uh, Deuce McBride coming off the bench, played very well, and you know, inserted into the starting lineup, and then Isaiah Hartenstein continued his phenomenal play. Uh, overall, I really like this Knicks team. They, they've shown growth. Tom Thibodeau is coaching the hell out of, this, uh, out of this group. Leon Rose deserves a lot of praise for what he's done in the last 18 months. He's brought in Brunson. He's brought in DiVincenzo. He's brought in Josh Hart. He's brought in OG Ananobi, and those are all home runs. I'm very high on them, but I do think people are getting a little too drunk on not j- and I don't even think this is a Knicks thing. I think they're getting too drunk on what they're watching with the Bucks, who do have some questions. Defensively, they're a mess, and then you still wonder if their head coach is the right guy. But quietly, the Bucks, fourth best record in the NBA, just one game back of the second best record in the entire league. So as long as they have Giannis, Middleton, and Dame, and the Celtics have uh, Tatum. Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, and Kristaps Porzingis, and Al Horford, and, and like, like this this group is just loaded. Both of those teams, both of those teams are loaded. Derek White, I mean, it's as long as those rosters get to the playoffs healthy. I don't think the Knicks can be either of them. They're going to finish one and two in the conference. So either way, you're going to be playing one of those teams in the second round. So I think the Knicks ceiling is still the second round because they're not getting past Milwaukee or Boston next. All right, Ty, it pains me to say it, but the New York Yankees have signed Marcus Stroman. Well, a lot of controversy he's always stirred up on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it nowadays. Does he fit for this Yankee team, being that he has made all these negative comments about Brian Cashman and the team in the past? He had some beef with Juan Soto in the past, although it seems Juan Soto has moved on from that, if you saw his uh, comment on an Instagram post that they're going to be doing the uh, Soto shuffle together this year. That's cool. But um, Marcus Stroman, what are we thinking here, Ty? In or out on the fit? So the people who don't want him because he said mean things about the team and the fans are part of that same lame contingent. Uh, who also didn't want Carlos Correa due to him being involved in, you know, robbing the Yankees of winning championships in both 2017 and 2019. I think that's silly. I I love being a fan of this team, but there are times where, like, certain opinions are rooted in such strong emotion that it permeates the fan base and it all makes us look collectively foolish. Like, really? 
the, look at the rotation. You've got Garrett Cole and then a bunch of question marks. Now, what I don't love is adding yet another guy who was injured last year and who you know hasn't hit that 140 innings mark in, in quite some time. But overall, he had a great season, even though he had a, a rocky finish, some injuries. But through the first 16 starts, he was 9-4 and four with a 2-2-8 ERA, and he was an all-star. So if the impact player comes with the controversy of he said some mean things on Twitter, I'll take it. It's a position of need. You, you don't just dismiss that because your feelings got hurt. Now, if you want to have some reservations about guys who have been involved in like actual drama, you know, domestic violence allegations, breaking the law, like I get that. But he said some mean things on Twitter. Get over it. If he's going to help your team win, then you'll chill for him. So I'm in on the Marcus Stroman signing. Next. Are you in or out on Chicago channeling their inner Jets and bringing back Matt Eberflus? Yeah, I'm out on this. This could go down as one of the biggest fumbled bags of prosperity we've ever seen. I mean, being sold on Eberflus, I get it. They finished the season strong. Fine. But being sold on him and Fields when you have the number one overall pick and an assortment of riches available at quarterback, at, at head coach is just preposterous to me. We mentioned Belichick, Carroll, possibly Tomlin. You've got Vrabel, Harbaugh. Like, you could have your pickle of the litter. This could be the most attractive job available. Chicago, two picks in the top nine, potentially adding a second or third pick if you exchange fields. That becomes a great job. And yet you're like, yeah, we've seen enough. Eberflus might bring back fields. No, I'm out on that. Next. The great Bill Belichick. Is he really so great? Oh, or are we getting the right opinion of him, or is he overrated? Tie in or out? So this also gets filed under like my least favorite stories of the week. Uh, the worst, ha- the worst conversation that happened in sports was, well, how good actually was Bill Belichick? Look at what he did or didn't do without Tom Brady. Does anyone think that the guy we watched in the last twenty-four seasons win six championships, get the pass to nine Super Bowls, is overrated? Like, is that a real story? Like, the people have spent. Like, the last four years, twisting themselves into knots, trying to use revisionist history to strip Belichick of his GOAT title, they should be ashamed. All I got to do is point to this. Let's go all around football. How many organizations in the last four years, if you could go back and do this, would pass up on Belichick in favor of the guy they currently have? Because I've got four organizations. I've got the Chiefs. You love Andy Reid. All set. The Rams won a Super Bowl with Sean McVay. All set. Harbaugh, because of what we've seen him do, reinventing himself with Lamar Jackson. They're still a perennial contender. All set. The Niners, of course, have been to the Super Bowl. They've been to, what, three NFC title games. Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. What he did with Jimmy G, Brock Purdy. Uh, So I, I think that situation stays the same. But though, is that the entire list? Chiefs, Rams, Ravens, Niners? You go back the last four years. Organization says, I want my guy over Belichick. Those are the only four teams that can make the case for it. So I think it's revisionist history, it's stupidity, and no, Belichick's not overrated. He's properly rated. Next. Speaking of goats, what do you think about Kalen DeBoer taking over uh, Alabama? I'm in on this. Uh, he's certainly earned it. Uh, he, in his coaching career 104 and 12 and not all at the biggest level but the last two seasons what he did with Washington where were they 26 and 2 they were uh, possession away from winning the national championship game this year they were right in it uh, to start 
Uh, the second half, down a touchdown, they were. It was a one possession game in the fourth quarter. So he's had success everywhere he's gone. Uh, everywhere he's gone, he's won eleven or more games in seven of his nine seasons as a head coach. He took Washington to a Pac-12 championship, and of course, like I just mentioned, uh, damn near won the whole thing this past season. So I'm in on that. I do think that there are going to be some challenges, of course. Parity is increasing. You got the NIL, college football expansion on the horizon. So him trying to navigate through these challenges are going to be interesting to see. But I'm in on uh, Kalen DeBoer being hired by Alabama.